Hi, folks. Man, glad to see you all this weekend. Um, really good to be seen, to be honest with you. Um, that's sort of my standard comeback right now. If you did not hurt, I'll give you a quick update. Three weeks ago tonight, uh, doing some ministry at our Lakewood campus, had a heart attack, and those words still stick in my throat when I say them because I can't imagine that would happen to me. But it did, uh, doing so much better. I don't know if you can just tell, but like my energy level almost daily gets better and better and better. And they said that would happen. Through it, I still have another three weeks or so before they'll release me to do everything that I want to do. What that simply means is I'm sort of on a limited, um, uh, limited supply. Maybe that's the best way to say it. I can't be everywhere at once. And so I'm not working back in the office full time yet. I'm not doing all of the services yet. Uh, I'm going to mix it up a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Maybe record one uh, for Saturday and then do live on Sunday. Maybe make it to uh, one of the campuses to hang out for a little while too. I'm just sort of on a limited basis as to what I can do. And I've made a deal with my wife and with my cardiologist. And it simply is this. I'll do what they tell me to do. That's, that's the way that it is. And in return, I can drive by myself. So that's, um, <laughs> that's as simple as my life is right this minute, man. I feel like a 16-year-old that got the keys to the kingdom. It's good again. So I had a friend. You'll, you'll get a kick out of this. I have a friend that um, normally on uh, one of the morning um, um, messages, he brings me a Starbucks. He's just done it now for a few years, and he just does it out of the kindness of his heart. And he learned a long time ago. Uh, a drink that I, one, one of my favorite ones, and it's a complicated drink, a seven pump, no water, no fat, chai, extra hot. And the guy just learned that years and years ago. And so almost every weekend, he would bring me a drink. And so this weekend, he showed up and he said, well, I, call, I called your cardiologist. <laughs> and he said, I found out what you could have. So he said, this is a non-seven pump, no water, uh, no fat, um, extra water, uh, chai. And I, li- I said, what does that mean? It's just water? And that's exactly what it says on here. It's a venti cup of hot water. There's, that's, <laughs> so there's, there's, yeah, there, there's my life in a cup right, right there for the time being. <laughs> so again, I want to thank all of you for your, your, your wishes, your prayers, the kindness that's been given to me and extended to me, I, I just cannot, I couldn't say thank you enough. Um, the well wishes, you know, I, I've heard people say for years, especially as we um, have ministered to people who have gone through traumatic things, especially when it came to helpful things, say, I could feel the prayers of people praying for me. I just want to say this to you. That is not some spooky language. I know that I know that those prayers are being answered every day in my life right now. And I just want to thank you for praying for me. I want to thank you for every time I pass by somebody, they'll, they'll say something to me. They'll pat me on the back. They'll tell me they're praying for me or they're thinking about me or th- just, just some kindness. And I just want to thank you. I think we have an awesome church. It's my chance to be able to experience the other side of what we do in ministry, quite honestly. And I'm just very grateful to all of you for being so kind to me. Thank you. Thank you so very, very much. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Okay. And I don't want to talk about that anymore, so let's get out of that, get into this message. Uh, We're in a new series, just a second week into it, called Jonah. We're actually taking the book of Jonah. It's not a very long book. Uh, there's, There's not a whole lot in there that you would look at other than I think we get stuck in the main story that Jonah um, uh, lived for three days and three nights in a fish, and then people begin to bake, something like that even. Is that, why is that even in there? So we talked a little bit about that last week, um, what, what we believe. I just said this, these two things. 
Uh, first of all, if you sit here this weekend and you hear that story and you ask yourself, could something like that even happen? So I, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to this. And I'm going to give it credence with this thought, if you're a believer, right? So let me qualify my audience real quick. And I realize not everybody that's here on a weekend is a believer. I, I want to say this one more time. If you're not, you're just here checking it out, welcome, man. We're glad that you're just checking it out. You, you take all the time you need to check it out. I think if you will thoroughly, honestly, and openly take a look at the message of Jesus, I think you will walk away at least with the idea there's a lot more to it than what you just simply read or hear in the news. Okay, at least be willing to do that right there. Be honest about that. But let me say that for the majority of our audience, most of you have made that decision who you believe Jesus to be and you believe him to be the son of God and your savior. You put your trust in that right there. And so here's where the credence then to the book of Jonah comes in my mind is that Jesus himself referred to the book of Jonah and said this, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. And the only reason I put that there, Jesus didn't refer to the book as though it was an allegory. And he didn't refer to the book as though it was simply a story that, that went parallel along some other truth that we could learn in life. Jesus referred to it like it was some actual thing that happened. And I will just say this to you. So perhaps you're just like, well, I just need more scientific proof. When it comes to faith, not everything can be put in a test tube and brought down to a scientific principle. Some things just simply in faith, you get to that point where you have to say, hey, I'm going to believe God in a situation like this. Somebody says, is there a leap involved in that? Yes, we're not hiding anything from you. There is a leap when it comes to faith. Some of it is simply this. This is finite. God is infinite. And the finite cannot grasp everything there is to know about the infinite. So when we see things, we're just like, well, I'm not sure. It does require a level of faith. But when I see things, I go to study and I ask myself, why is this in here? Why would God put this in here? What, what's the meaning of it? I see several things. But when I see Jesus refer to it in my mind, uh, it just has a, a validity to it where all of a sudden I go, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's going to have to be good enough for me at that point. And that, for me, helps to settle the issue. I realize not for everybody, but keep an open mind and continue to learn and listen. So here's where we're going to go uh, this weekend. I'm going to talk about the problem with problems. Good thing to be talking about right now, right? I can talk about from a real point. It's not something that I uh, know to be true because I read it or I heard it or I saw it. Something that I'm living with right now is something that I'm dealing with and something that I feel like the Lord is making very real in, uh, in my life. Uh, last week we dealt with Jonah, uh, all of chapter 1. I'm just going to start again with uh, Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, which is actually the last verse of chapter 1. And so the story just simply is like this. God gives a word uh, to Jonah, who's a prophet, God's man. Jonah, I want you to leave and go to the great city, Nineveh, and tell them, time's up, judgment's coming uh, it's, it's, it's over with. And the Bible says Jonah immediately went the opposite way, as far away as he could go from where God uh, had sent him. He gets on the ship. He's going to sail uh, as far away, 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. God causes a great wind to blow. Uh, the ship is caught in a tremendous storm. The other sailors are all afraid. They begin to cry out to their gods, trying to figure out what's going on. They find Jonah asleep down in the hold of the ship. They wake him up. Hey, why don't you pray to your God? We're going to sink. We're all going to die. Uh, Jonah just goes, bottom line, here's what it is. I'm running from God, and the only way you can save yourselves is to throw me overboard. 
And they don't want to do that. They, they're, they're not just going to simply pick him up and throw him over. They don't want to be guilty before uh, God. So what they do is they try to row and they try to get themselves out of it. And the storm grows worse. And finally, as a last-ditch effort to save everyone else, they throw him into the water. And the Bible says immediately the storm grows calm for the boat, but not for Jonah. Jonah has an appointment now with a big fish. And even though he might think to himself, well, at least it'll be over with. <laughs> I wonder how calmly was he. Well, I mean, what would make a person so calm to be able to say, you know, the only way out of this, throw me in. I mean, he must be thinking, I'll just die and it'll be over with. And God's like, no, 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 not yet. And so 17, the last verse in the chapter reads this way. The Lord provided a huge fish, not a whale, a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the exact verse that Jesus refers to. So he's stuck in this problem now for three days and three nights. And what I want to kind of do is just talk to you about the marinating factor of how Jonah changed his mind and changed his heart. I want to talk to you about what happened to Jonah. I mean, it would be real easy at this point for Jonah to be mad at the very fact that, hey, God, you know, first it's a storm, and now it's, I'm out of the frying pan and into the fire type of a thing. But Jonah changes his tomb rapidly in the middle of this story. And so I just want to talk about the problem with problems. Let me just say this first. If you've got a pen and pencil, you might want to get it out just to fill this in. Pretty simple first statement. See if you can agree with it. Everybody, and I don't care who you are, everybody deals with problems. Say it one more time. Everybody deals with problems. And I don't care how old you are, male, female, married, not married. Uh, for some people who are married, you'll go, that's my problem. And some people who are not married go, that's my problem. And we just always think if I could get rid of this and get that, then I wouldn't have any more problems. You can be young and have problems. You can be old and have problems. You can have health problems. You can have finance problems. You can have neighbor problems. If you're like, I have no neighbor problems, guess what? You didn't, didn't. Yeah, there you go. There. You it's a little slower. <laughs> it rolls around like, oh, I get it. Me. Wait. So... <laughs> you can have any kind of problems. Just a thought about problems. Problems are relative, and I'll talk about this in just a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly hit this because I think we need to. Man, there are first world and third world problems, and we do need to be aware that there are two different things. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it here for a second. But let me just, if you're the one that's having the problem, problems are relative. Of course, we can look around the world and go, man, they have it worse than I do, but that doesn't make you have any less suffering in what you're doing. Yes or no? Problems are problems. We all deal with problems. It's endemic to a fallen world. We all have problems. When Jonah is inside of the belly of the fish, Jonah begins to think, maybe what I'm doing, maybe going my way, maybe the way that I'm kicking against God is not working. And Jonah actually begins to pray to God from the belly of the fish. How many of you think that's the right idea? You should, in problems, begin to pray. And that's exact. How about this? Jonah wasn't cursing God. Jonah was praying to God. I think it's silly in the middle of a problem to begin cursing God. God's your way out. God's your hope. God's your help. God's your aid. God's your rescue. God's your source. You should never curse God, man. Begin to cry out to God. And that's just what happens to Jonah. He begins to pray to God. And in Jonah chapter 2, verse 6, the second part of the verse, Jonah makes this conclusion that I think is really interesting. He says, while in his problem. Now remember, this is not after. This is not once God's come through. This is not after he's out of the whale and back on dry land. 
He is in the middle of the worst part of his problem right now. But this is Jonah's confession to God. You, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. Look at me. It's very important that faith is an element you have when you begin to go through problems. And the very thing that the devil wants to challenge you on is the faith issue. Like, I think when we go through it, the very first thing that, that the enemy comes to bring is that, hey, if God loved you, if God was for you, if, if all the promises in the Bible were, if it's like, if it's like Pastor says, that God is, he is a, a, a restorer and a discoverer of promises. If it's like he said, why do I find myself going through these problems? Sometimes here's the deal. We can listen to all the promises of God and then look at our lives and the two things don't match up. And then the devil's right there to say, if God really loved you, then why would this be going on in your life? And so what he wants you to do is to cast away your faith. He wants you to begin to just say, you know, you're right. If God doesn't love me, God doesn't care for me, it's just going to get worse. It'll never get better. It's, ne it's never going to be any better. Jonah just makes this really awesome, while he's in the middle of the worst problem of his life, this awesome confession comes out of his mouth, and he just says, look, look at it one more time. I, I, just, I want you to see it. Pull it back up for me. You, Lord, my God, brought my life up from... This is not, look, this is not past tense. Follow me real quick and just look at me. Most of the praise we have is past tense. Praise is prophetic when you do it before God has done it. There is power in the prophetic, man. There is power in your words. There is power in you prophesying to what's going on in your life. I am not saying, look, you don't have to do it. Out. Nobody heard Jonah. The whale doesn't care. But God heard. And Jonah's just simply confessing what he knows to be true. You bring my life up out of a pit. So let me just real quickly use the idea of a pit. I preached this years and years ago when uh, we were studying for this with the teaching team. Somebody reminded me of it. Let me just talk about pits just real fast. Just three quick things to fill in. Here's how people end up in pits in their lives. The first one is uh, some people just simply jump into a pit. They do it to themselves, yes or no. In this case, did Jonah do it to himself? So let me, I'm going to, maybe that's too fast. Maybe I'm talking like, you know, I, so I'm going to try one more time. There's three ways we get into pits. One of them is we just jump into it. We do it to, did Jonah do this to himself? God didn't do this to Jonah. The sailors didn't do this to Jonah. Jonah did this to Jonah. He went his own way, disobeyed God. He's running away. He puts himself into this problem. Sometimes we end up in problems in our lives. Everybody deals with the problem, but we end up in them because we jump into a pit ourselves. How about this? Sometimes we end up into a pit because somebody pushes us into a pit. Somebody betrays us. We have a business partner who steals from us. We have a person who's unfaithful to us. We have a body that breaks down, and you feel betrayed by a body. Five of us in the room? Anybody? I know you're out there. I know you are. I know you are. wonder how many campuses someone could say, that's exactly right, man. I feel that way. It's funny the things that you feel. They may not be legitimate, but it's the way that you feel. the way that you feel. Sometimes we end up in a problem because someone just simply has an in for us and they do what they can to mess our lives up. They push us into a pit. It doesn't matter. You're just simply in a pit. So the third way I would just say is this, is that sometimes accidentally. It's kind of a no-fault deal. No one pushed us. And we didn't just up and jump, we stumbled into a pit. We made a mistake. We didn't see what the outcome was going to be. Our thought was not, how can I mess my life up? 
Our path was not in our mind going down. We thought this was a good decision. You ever been there? You're doing right, but you find yourself suddenly in a pit. Okay, here's the point. Regardless of how you got in a pit, the bottom line is you're in a pit. How do we get you out of that pit? Yes or no, that's the important thing. I'm going to say step number one, remember this. If you're in a pit, the best thing to do, recognize that you're in a pit, and then cry out to the one who can get you out of the pit. Begin to prophesy even to the pit. God is the deliverer of the person in the pit. This is what David said. He said, you inclined your ear to me when I was in a pit. You lifted me out of it and you set my feet on solid ground. God is the deliverer for those who find themselves in a pit. It doesn't matter if you jumped in, you were pushed in, or you stumbled in through some mistake. It does not matter. Bottom line is, God is the one who pulls us up out of the pit. The way that I know this is true, Jonah did this to himself, and yet he cried out to God, you are my answer for my own dumb mistake. That's how I know this is true. God heard him from the belly of a whale. How about this? One time, Jesus. Jesus is being asked a really silly question. Uh, the disciples find a guy who's blind, and instead of they're like, hey, Jesus, heal this guy, or, boy, we're real excited this guy's going to see. Here's the question they ask. Who sinned? This guy or his parents that he's been born blind? Why would we even ask a question like that? Why does somebody ask why they got into a... Who, here's, Jesus gives the most thoughtful answer ever. He didn't sin, and his parents didn't sin. He's in this condition right now for your sakes, because you're going to see God do something that only God can do. Maybe your pit right now makes no sense to you. Maybe you did it. Maybe somebody else did it. Maybe you just backward fell into a... Who cares? Here's the reason that it matters. God is the deliverer of the pit. Quit trying to find a reason for it. It doesn't matter who sinned. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you did it or someone else did it. Here's what's true. Right now, God can get glory from pulling you out of the pit. And instead of trying to find and assign the blame for the pit, call out to God, who is the one who delivers out of a pit. How about that right there? So I think so many people stay for years in a pit because they want to figure out, who did this to me? And once they figure it out, they think, if I could just get justice. You don't need justice. Here's what you need. You need out of a pit. <laughs> simple preaching from a simple man. I, get, I know, I understand. Let me just put problems and perspective into gear. And I did, I said it a minute ago, first and third world problems. You know, I, I just do think this is important because sometimes we, we, sometimes we are and can be our own worst enemy in the middle of a thing. We just think nobody else has had it tougher than this. Nobody else has had a situation like this. I, I just can't. And, you know, to the person, it's relative, but if you can step back and gain any perspective from it, uh, it it's a funny, so, so I'll give you two. So I'll give you just, just real quickly. I ordered a pair of shoes from eBay, and the person that I ordered them for sold them and then refunded me my money, and I was mad because I didn't get my shoes. Stupid problem, right? Yes. If you're a shoe guy, bugs you, doesn't it? It's like I was, how could they do that to me? Stupid, right? And then I get a call from one of our missionaries in Peru who says, man, I got a kid who has no shoes and sends me a picture of the guy's feet and how beat up they look. Some of you that support him got that picture. You know the exact picture I'm talking about. 
So eBay, I don't get my shoes of my 25 pair. And then I got a kid that doesn't have any shoes at all. It made it real easy for me to give the money to buy the kid's shoes. So stupid comparison. How mad, though, do we get when we don't realize the level of problem sometimes? You know, first world problem. My car wouldn't start. Third world problem. They walk everywhere they go. First world problem. My doctor made me wait 25 minutes this week. Third world problem. I've got kids that have been waiting for 15 years to see a doctor for the very first time. It's funny how perspective can change even the problems. Well, let's say, though, that it's not some nitpicky problem. Let's say it's the real deal. Man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this message can become really good for a person who finds themselves struggling. Hey, I just threw this in. I think it's important. Sometimes we see problems and we don't get, man, opportunities. Sometimes we have problems because God's given us opportunities. So Paul writes it this way, a great door for effective work has opened to me. Now, if that's all it said, we'd go, wow, look what God did for Paul. But in the same breath, here's what Paul says about this great opportunity. And there are many who oppose me because of it. Sometimes problems happen in our life, not because anything has gone wrong. It may be because everything's going right in your life and the devil's fighting you because you're doing something really right. And maybe we just need a different perspective on our problem. Maybe sometimes our problems are just simply, it's because God's doing so many good things in our life. Look, if you find yourself walking with the devil and he's patting you on the back, maybe you're going the wrong way. (laughs) You want me to say that one more time? If you find yourself walking with the devil and he's got his armor, hey, man, you're awesome. You might not be walking the place you're supposed to be. You want him fighting you as you're walking because that means you're going the right direction. You don't want him to pat you on the back. You don't want him to say, well done, brother. (laughs) Forgive me, I know that's funny. I just, you know, I'm still me regardless of what happens in my heart. All right, here's number two. (laughs) Problems help us pray. Like nothing else, like nothing, even people who don't believe in prayer when they have problems, pray. And if they don't pray, they ask for people to pray. It is the craziest thing in the world. I challenge you this week, listen to what people... So I just wrote down this week, here were the people that I read about or I heard say uh, to pray. In this case, reading about this story, all of these sailors with Jonah begin to pray as soon as the storm comes up. Yes or no? Every movie I watched, in every crisis, they ask the person, do you believe in anything out there whatsoever because if you do you need to pray one of the movies I watched The Martian anybody like that movie right there love The Martian four people know what The Martian is Lakewood people whom I love with all of my heart Highlands Ranch people who are real people Castle Rock people right now how many of you know The Martian movie you've seen it Matt Damon awesome movie I fully recommend it. Here's, here's, nah, I, I, here's, I feel like you've made me say that to them. I would say, if you just remember the movie at all, 
when, when they're talking about trying to go back and get Matt Damon on that, if you haven't, spoiler alert, he gets stuck on the planet. They have to go back and get him. They think he's dead. He's alive, blah, blah. Uh, they have to go back to get him. And so the main, the, one of the main characters uh, just says, hey, uh, man, do you believe in God? And the other guy goes, well, my mother uh, was a Baptist and my father was a Buddhist. They get like this weird answer. And the guy just goes, whatever, just pray. And so they all, they're going to, in every situation, no matter what weirdo th- people will pray in a problem. Hollywood will do it. You'll find it throughout any story. Athletes all the time, yes or no, man, they make a touchdown, what do they do? Pray. Watch them throw a touchdown. They point up, they're praying. It's, it's amazing how suddenly the president this week. <laughs> ask people to pray. Can I just throw this out to you? I guarantee you, one of the things you'll do in a problem, regardless of what you tell everybody else, in that quiet time, if you are hurting bad enough, you'll pray. People pray. Problems have a way of getting us to talk to God when nothing else will. Far more than prosperity. So I want you to think about that. Prosperity seldom makes you pray. But problems sure do, yes or no. It's crazy how that happens. I don't know what it is about. I, I guess because, again, the thin veneer that we all live with and we all just think this is going to go on forever, problems have a way of separating real quickly. This, who cares about this? I got it. I'm, survival kicks in. And that's why. The other stuff allows us to think. Prosperity lets us think this is going on forever. But, man, problems like few things, maybe like nothing else, help us to pray. Problems actually, I think this is really maybe something I would just throw out to you. Problems actually remind us very fast that we're not in control. Prosperity makes us think we're in control. We did good. We're pretty smart. We made the right decisions. We're above average. Do you hear what I'm saying? Prosperity does that, and no one in this room is immune from that thinking right there. Prosperity does that to us. It makes us think we're pretty good. But suddenly, man, problems actually remind us we're not in control. We're not in control of the next breath we have. We're not in control of next year. We're not in control of what I may be able to pay for. We're not in control in our marriages when they have problems. Anybody? Problems, problems have that ability just quickly to separate the illusion that we're always in control. And when we're out of control, then we realize, here's what we really want. We want someone who is in control. And that's why we want God to show up in the middle of a problem. Help me. Be in control. It just simply separates all the other stuff. Problems help us pray. By the way, you might not be in control when you go through difficult problems, but this is true. You are always in control of the way you respond. I'm going to say that again. Even if you don't believe it, say amen because you'll sound holy if you, if you do. <laughs> so you may not be in control of what happens, 
but you can always control how you respond to what happens. God, you're such holy people, man. I'm telling you, it just, it's the truth of the matter. You know what my problem has made me right now? It's the funniest thing. You would think maybe it would make me afraid. You would think maybe it would make me angry. You know what it's made me? Unbelievably grateful for everything that I have. Every conversation, I'm so, I think most of us, we just live life thinking, we're just, we're just getting that, we're numb to how close we are to the last breath and when we're suddenly woken up from that, I don't mean this morose or to put you in a funky place, but suddenly when you wake, I'm, 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 I'm waking up in the morning and just reaching over to touch my partner and I thank the Lord for one more day with her. Thank the Lord for driving my car right now. <laughs> I thank the Lord for my friends. I thank the Lord for the sweet cards and the meals. I thank the Lord walking up the stairs that I get to come in here and teach tonight. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I got to study this week. I'm just, it's made me so great. What is it about problems that can create such good? We all live our lives. Look at me. Tell me this isn't true. We do everything we can to avoid a problem. We hate problems. We have a phobia to, I, I, oh, keep that away from me. But when they do come our way, problems have a way of doing things in us that nothing else can. I'll just finish with three. If what I said is true, here's an equal and opposite reaction that can come from it. Problems help us change like nothing else can. Isn't it funny how we all think and have areas in our life where we want to change and we find it so difficult to change? Problems have a way of making change really easy. Problems help us change. Uh, let me just show you this. This is Jonah chapter 3. So one, Jonah's rebellious, goes his own way, ends up being thrown into the sea. Two, he's swallowed up by a great fish for three days and three nights. He basically just cries out to God. And then in chapter 3, verse 1 reads like this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim, uh, proclaim to it the message that I give you. And then this sentence, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went directly to Nineveh. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if that's where Jonah started at right there? That is where Jonah started. But he wouldn't do what God told him to do. God wasn't mad at Jonah. And God wasn't angry at Jonah. And God wasn't trying to get Jonah. I said this last week. There's a world of difference between God's judgment and God's mercy. God's mercy was given to Jonah to get him in the place that he needed him to be for other people. God knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew exactly how he was going to do it. He just needed Jonah to change his mind. You know what? God does not simply come to us and take away the free choice that he gave all of us. But he can allow things, our choices, listen, our choices 
creates circumstances in our lives that God can use for our good. For our good. God doesn't want to keep you in that place. He wants that place to cause you to go to him so that there's a change. And in this case, man, Jonah has this awesome change in his life. The apostle Paul, think about this. Paul is killing Christians, persecuting them. He has a letter from, from the hierarchy of, of the Jewish faith to, to seek out, to hunt out Christians. On the road, Jesus appears to him, knocks him off the horse. Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Uh, Paul changes his tune. Uh, who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? Here's what I want you to do. Go to this city and wait. That's exactly what Paul did. Paul went from being a murderer to the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. How did that happen? He was blind. And God had to heal him from his blindness. He used a problem to make a great change in his person's life. Let me ask you this. Would Paul have ever said, Jesus was mean to me? Would Paul... In fact, everything he wrote is God has been so merciful to me to get me to change. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Let me just throw this in about Jesus himself. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he... You tell me what it says. Do you even understand that? Do you even understand that verse? Church, any campus, anybody even understand that verse right there? Here's how I read it. Jesus was perfect. Do you agree? Never sinned. Why would he have to learn obedience then? So he's all God, but he's God with us. He comes in the flesh. And this flesh part, man, had to learn. He just didn't make the mistakes, but he had to learn it. And he learned it through the difficulties that he went through. If God didn't spare his own son from having to learn to be obedient. Hear me right now. Listen, your salvation, dude, it is free. Jesus did the work. But if you want to be a disciple, it costs you a lot. Are you still in? Yes. No, are you still in? If it costs you something to be a disciple, are you in? Because yes. it will cost you to be obedient. And you'll learn it through the difficulties that come with life sometimes. So look, here's my conclusion. I'm over my time limit. I need to just close. I just want to bring you back to the power of faith when you're going through a difficult time. Just the power of faith. My daughter Katie, one of our teachers, brought this scripture to me this week. She talked about Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5, and she just said that the Lord gave her this really neat word. Uh, it's, it's, if you don't know Song of Solomon... It's a neat verse about Solomon and one of his wives. It's a book about him and how he loved her. Why is it in the Bible, though? Why, why is all that ugh, in the Bible? What's that there for? It's actually a revelation of God and his church, of how God feels about us and how the church is supposed to feel about its God. That's the revelation behind it. Who is this coming up out of the wilderness and leaning on, it actually, in one of the translations, says leaning into her beloved. Here, here's the thought that Katie said to me. She said, when we're coming out of the dry places, out of the desert, the most important thing we can do is learn to lean into our God rather than lean away from our God. Let me give you one that 
follows up from a book that we never read a whole lot of. It's the book of Habakkuk. And this is what Habakkuk writes. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, this sentence, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. There is a tremendous benefit to taking your faith and applying it in your problems. So often all we do is bellyache about our problems and wish we weren't in the position we were in. And here's what I would advise you to do. Begin to rejoice in the Lord. Look, I don't know what it is with this sentence I'm about to say to you. Just hear this. When we learn to quit complaining and instead rejoice in the middle of trying circumstances, that is the proof of spiritual growth. That's when you know you're growing up. That's when you know you're overcoming the world. That's when you know, man, something impossible to the world is happening inside of you. Learning to just rejoice in God, to lean into God, to apply your faith in that situation, to say to God, even at the bottom of the ocean, you are the God who lifts me up out of the pit. Not afterwards. All it is then... It's not prophecy. All you're doing is just talking about what happened. It's powerful when it's prophetic and when you say it ahead of time. God, here's what I believe. Regardless of my problem, you're the one who lifts me out of the pit. Hey, look at me. If you don't see anything else, if you don't get anything else, know this to be very true of your pastor. My words every day, you are the God who puts my feet back on a rock of health. You lift my heart up out of a pit. And my strength is going to be found in you. And I say to everybody who asks me, how are you doing every day? That's what I say. I'm getting better every day. And guess what? I'm getting better every day. Pretty soon, they may let me drive 100 miles. Who knows? I'll be lucky. So, Lord, I love you. And I thank you. And I honor you. And, Father, this message is very uh, tender in my heart. Is very real inside of me. And God, I know it's easy for me to um, easy for me to feel this right now, and maybe some others are sitting out there thinking, Pastor, I've been in this pit so long, I just I don't have any feeling for anything anymore. And I didn't come to condemn you. Gosh, by now I hope you know how much I love you, how much this church means to me how much the people in this church what a joy it is to serve you in no way shape or form would I stand up and want to condemn you or knock you around or tell you hey just get over it what I'm trying to say to you is I think the deeper the pit the more important it is to actually apply your faith to say to God ahead of time you are the lifter of my head. You are the one who pulls me out of the pit. If you go, Pastor, if I say it, I'm just going to be saying the words. I won't even feel it. I don't care. The wonderful thing 
about praying and about confessing and about asking God. Is you don't have to stand there having it all put together. Even at the most broken point, you can say to God, help me. Maybe that's when help matters the most. Maybe you find yourself in that place of just like, okay, I get it. I need to change. I would encourage you, man, bring that to the Lord. Say to him, God, if there's just something, someone, something, some issue, some habits, whatever. God, I don't want to be stuck going around this mountain for 40 years. If you need me to change, I want to change. If it's a habit or a thought, an attitude, whatever it is, God, I'm willing to change. Maybe you've learned to just curse in the middle of your problems. I don't mean profanity. I mean, maybe your profession is just simply, this will never change. This is going to go on forever. I'll never get better. I'll never see the light of day. I'll never be past this. I'll never get this debt paid off. I'll never have a good marriage. I just can't stop. Whatever it is, maybe it's time to quit cursing and to start praying. God, help me. God, thank you. God, I'm going to rejoice. Some rejoicing is really easy to do, like everything's going your way. Everybody loves you. Everything's perfect. It's really easy to rejoice in those times. Rejoicing comes out of us with no thought. But then there's the times that we have to rejoice and praise and thank God. And it comes out of us like a little bitty squeeze of a drop. It seems so insignificant and so pitiful. I just want to say this to you. It's that praise that is so meaningful to God. He loves the other two, but that praise, man, that sacrifice of praise, don't think for a moment that your father doesn't realize how costly it is. I think that God might have a great big bowl that when his people are under it and they still look up and thank him and praise him, I think that God might take those and put that in a bowl that maybe for all eternity, that's a meaningful thing for him. A precious thing. The sacrifice of praise. I know what I'm saying is not easy. Trust me. It's much easier to curse. It's much easier just to go down in the pit.
But boy, I'm trying to give you an out right now. And Father, I just pray, speak to our hearts and help us. Lord, for every person that would say this message is right where I'm living. Pastor, if you only knew, regardless of what campus, what situation, I want you to know it was taught this weekend for this reason. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is kind. The Lord is good. The Lord is the lifter of your head and the one that pulls you out of the pit. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.